Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Making Good, a podcast about the people, products, ideas and initiatives doing the work the world needs now. My name is Lee Evans. This week's guest is Phil Minns, the founder of record label and events hub Best Foot Music, who work with musicians from around the world to document the musical heritage of their homelands and participate in events where different communities can gather to enjoy really exceptional music. This might seem a bit off topic at first glance, given what we've covered previously, but I've been wanting to get Phil on for a while. For me, Best Foot Music embodies, or is actually really the best example I can think of, a spirit that we're going to need lots more of in the coming years taking care of things that are valuable, and a celebration of difference amongst groups which have been thrown together by difficult circumstances. We talk about how Best Foot Music came about and its core activities of documenting musical heritage from around the world and creating live events and meeting places where different groups can find common ground through sharing of food, music and culture in general. As ever, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes and most importantly, please share on your social media platforms, which helps us all get a wider audience. I hope you enjoy. Hi Phil, thanks for um, thanks for joining us. Could we begin by um, by you introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to um, you got into working with Best Foot. So hello, my name's Phil. Um, thanks for inviting us. So Best Foot Music started in two thousand and nine. Um, I've always, I've always been involved in music and been a big fan of music and probably been to quite a few gigs with yourself actually over the years. And so it's partly a response to seeing a lot of kind of negative stuff in some newspapers and some TV programmes around migration and just wanting to do something positive to kind of counteract that and because I was involved in music, music seemed the natural thing to do and there was one particular news story that I remember on the TV that was really like the kind of light bulb moment Um, because I've been aware of different styles of music and that from around the world never really had any involvement with it and then like I say on the news one day um, there was a news report there was a family that had migrated to the UK and they were being so badly harassed in wherever they were living um, they were having to move house and the, there was a short TV clip and it showed the one guy with an accordion on his back and it just stuck in my head immediately it's like all oh, right so people are bringing music with them which I, I you know you don't necessarily think about straight away and that made me think all right okay so let's try and do something with music so that was the trigger really that started it all and then I went down to the local Polish shop um, which is I lived just around the corner from a Polish shop in Brighton and there was a woman who was in there putting up a poster for a gig that was all in Polish and she was like oh yeah English people never come to our gigs Uh, you'd be very welcome to come along and so I went along and that was the beginning of that really and started working with them I hadn't realised that um, that this is the um, this is the ten year um, anniversary of you setting up. So can we can we begin? So you look at um, Best Foot Music covers um, events. You put on um, you put on events, and you also um, have got an ongoing process of documenting the musical heritage of um, of, of of different um, different communities which have um, which have moved to the UK. Can you can you um, can you tell us a little bit about those two um, two threads and um, and why they why why you think they're so important? Yeah, when I started, I mean, it was just kind of selfish reasons really. When I started, it was just like I like music and it'd be nice just to make recordings and build an archive and I didn't really realize at the time uh, musicians actually seem to see value in that and they seem to appreciate people like their music um, and also having recordings because where we are now we get a lot of bookings for gigs so the recordings also help 
as well as being a sort of recognition and a, and a documentation of music that often might kind of go under the radar um it also helps musicians get gigs which they get paid for um and then the events you know it's kind of social inclusion really um and again it's uh, it's a way for people to get to know each other um you know around a social activity and a kind of i guess you know i mean an event is only a small thing a few hours in an evening but it's a space where um you know the musicians or the communities that are working with get to kind of represent themselves and share what they can do and show their kind of contributions and have that space for, for them to so um so some of these groups as you described were self-organizing um events like music just spills over doesn't it people will where, wherever they go people will 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 tend to put things put things on how have you um how do you how do you work with um the great you, you, i guess you feel like you're adding something to things that are already being done, like kind of providing an extra kind of um, dimension to what's being done? Yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of the musicians we've worked with at first, they've, when we first started, I'll have an example, when we first started working with some of the Polish musicians in Brighton, they were very keen to kind of broad, widen out their audience and they were aware of some of the kind of negative attitudes towards them or not directly towards them, but some of the attitudes in the newspaper. And, and so they, they wanted to sort of say, well, if we can get English people coming to our gigs and, you know, get English people to meet us and hear our music, then it might be, a diff you know, recognise our kind of cultural contribution. Um, and then recently, some of the Syrian musicians as well, uh, not just the Syrian musicians, but they were particularly busy with those at the moment for the last couple of years, being very busy with a lot of Syrian musicians in the area. You know, they've wanted to organise gigs because obviously a lot of the reason a lot of those people have come here is because they've come to escape the war in Syria. Um, and some of them are facing all sorts of hardships, um, including financial hardship when they come here. So sometimes we've done fundraising gigs. Um, and there's a Syrian, there's a sort of couple of Syrian community groups in Brighton and quite often they want, you know, kind of technical help organising gigs and things like that. So they are organising things themselves, which is great because that's that's kind of the point, isn't it? You know, they they get established and you know, without they they get their own, they find their own feet and start to be able to do their own things. How how does the um how does the process work for um for finding um finding people that you want to work with? Is it is it happenstance or have you got have you got like kind of methods or or ear ear to the ground in the community? In, in, in that's the yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Um, when we first started, it was it was really just luck. I mean, it sounds stupid, but I would like I would just walk around town and if I saw someone with a, an instrument, I'd try and have a conversation with them and you know or or go to a lot of gigs. Um, but as we've kind of you know as an organisation, we've kind of developed and we now get people know about us and you know we sort of connected with a lot of different people so we people quite i mean like this afternoon someone rang us up from hastings and you know from a hastings council saying oh there's some musicians here who are keen to organize a gig and want to do some recordings so that's that network's kind of built now which helps yeah yeah i can i can imagine so you've you mentioned polish and um and syrian groups is that the um is that the extent of it or is it um is it uh, is there, are there others others as well no really i mean been really lucky been you know really broad uh all sorts of places from lots of different places around the world um 
you know, all sorts of different heritages and backgrounds. Um, I mean, I thought about putting a list of countries and trying to organise the website into regions and countries at one time, but then that was difficult because some people don't necessarily identify via a country or a region. But I mean, just an example, we've worked with people from Afghanistan, Bulgaria, um, Senegal, Peru, uh, Romania, Russia, Kurdistan, Zimbabwe, all, all over. Um, quite a lot of quite a lot of people based in Brighton um, or Sussex. Um, but we we sort of work further afield now as well. I mean, we work worked with some musicians up in Scotland last year from Iran, uh, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, but they're often. I mean, quite often they're people who. You know, they don't see themselves as professional musicians. They're just people who play amongst their friends for a kind of social activity. Um, and it, it kind of, you know, quite often it's kind of hidden away from the kind of mainstream gigs and things like that. So there's, um, there's a, I'm, I suspect because I, I, I have a, a glimmer of this in me. There's a tendency to, um, to, to think about um, music that people bring from other countries as maybe being. I don't know, can we use the word folk music? Like as if it somehow speaks to a national identity, whereas I wouldn't assume the same things from some of the countries with cultures closer to to my own. So Amer North America, Western Europe and so forth. So how, how, how would you characterise the music that's that that's being made, the kind of instruments that are being played? Yeah, that's really, I mean, that's really interesting. It's a sort of constant dilemma. I guess it kind of is folk music. I mean, obviously there's a wide range, but like a lot of the Syrian musicians, their songs are definitely kind of folk music, everyday life kind of things and love um, and relationships and those kind of things. Um, but there are musicians who kind of do hip hop and things like that occasionally and a bit of rock music. And it's funny because, I mean, you're saying about, you know, cultures that we see as kind of very similar to our own. I mean, in very general terms, I mean, sometimes people say to me, oh, what are English folk songs or whatever? And I'm kind of like, oh, I don't really know. <laughs> you know I don't think we, we, I mean, we maybe do have that history, but we have less of a, I mean, I'm trying not to generalise too much, but quite a lot of the people we work with, there seems to be a thing where people sit around and have a sing song after a meal or something, um, you know, as a social activity. Whereas we don't have that, you know, for us, a lot of people in the UK, music is much more of a kind of just sit and watch and not have a direct engagement with it. You know, you go and see a band or whatever. And That's a really interesting thing. I always remember um, I remember having a pipe dream years ago about um, <clears throat> there was a there was a pub in Brighton that was um, that was uh, no, I'll tell you a lie. It wasn't a, a pub that was in Brighton. There was a um, there was a building in Brighton that uh, that we all thought some friends re thought would really lend itself to being a pub, and we kind of daydreamed. I remember over a few pints one night about what you'd what we'd what we'd all do if we could buy this derelict place and um, and turn it and turn it into one. And I remember saying that it absolutely had to have a a piano. If you know the hand in hand up along in um, in Kemptown with its little 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 piano in the corner, but it, 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 you just don't see it very often. There are more. I bet there are more more pianos in stations than there are in in pubs now because exactly like you say pete that kind of just sense of of um of just sparking up a, a tune and having everyone everyone joining in is something that's particularly familiar in our in our culture so is this 
I guess this speaks to this um, this question about um, documenting uh, musical heritage, which is one of the lines that I see from um, from from reviewing uh, the website, which, by the way, we'll link to in the um, in the in the show notes accompanying the pod. Um, is the is the drive of that to um, to provide a music based activity for people to participate in, or is it more of a like a, a kind of a an effort of 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 sorts to um you know to to capture and put down things which might be in danger of being lost or at least for people to feel it be feeling cut off from um yeah that's that's i mean that's definitely one reason is kind of it's i suppose it's about maybe capturing a moment in time <clears throat> you know because we photograph everything nowadays um but we don't necessarily have that much audio documentation and quite a lot of the musicians i mean one of the we worked with a woman from Bulgaria recently, um, and she wanted to do these sun their sun folk stories, um, and it's actually a dying tradition in Bulgaria. Less and less people are doing it, so she wanted those documenting down and recording. So we did that with her. So there is that side to it where it's about documenting, and and for me as well, I think it's important um, documenting all the musical styles. To sort of rec- show and recognise that these people, not just now but historically, are part of the landscape of Britain, um, part of the historical and kind of geographical kind of landscape and the culture here. Um, even though they're often, certainly music-wise, they're often missed out. Um, and then also it is the kind of function of it serves the function of, I guess, having the website with the music online. You know the musicians all get copies and they can do with them what they want so some of them sell them so it is it's a sort of base around which to build social activities quite often we'll we'll maybe meet a musician go and see them play maybe a couple of times then do a recording and then say right let's do some gigs so it's a whole kind of process um if that, I think that, sorry, I've waffled a little bit, but I think that's... <laughs> not. I'm I'm never going to stand the judgment of anyone who waffles. I've got no off switch when I uh, when I get into uh, when I get get into my flow. Um, can you um can how's the um how's the project grown over the years? You mentioned that you started off and it was um and it was it was quite small. Is it um are you, what are the kind of the the the, the, the how, what what are you covering now? How in terms of the n- numbers of bands? Um, but but also I guess what I mean in terms of um, how's it um, how has it grown or, or changed uh, has it got harder or, or easier would you say I'm more busy um, I spend a lot of time doing emails <laughs> um, which is good because that's booking for musicians basically um, I don't I've, I've never seen it as a hard or challenge myself um, I mean I'm just busy and it's time management because I've got a full-time job as well um, but then I kind of think, well, you know, I, I've got no room to complain. I've got a fairly comfortable life and, you know, I've got a wage. And some of the people that we work with have had real challenges in life. You know, they've had to move country because of a war or whatever. So, but it, and it's changed a lot in, I mean, it's because of that, the whole situation, you know, because of, particularly because of recent conflicts, it's, it's changed a lot since about 2015 when we started seeing more people coming here, oh, I certainly started, I mean, I think there's been people coming here because as refugees for a long time, but I certainly started noticing in the local area and we made connections with some of the local Syrian people in 2015. 
So that kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. And around at the same time, of course, the whole Brexit thing was happening. Uh, you know, the EU referendum and, you know, I had a few friends who were saying they'd had comments made to them in the street and things like that. So although I guess, you know, it was always there was a sort of subtle implied political social commentary angle, but originally it had just been about the music. It, it was kind of just for fun. Whereas around the time of the referendum and 215, because of the people coming from Syria and Iraq and Iran, then it started to take on a more serious element, if that's the answer, I think. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. I mean, one of, one of the reasons I've, admi I've admired this initiative for, um, for, for many years without realising it was 10, but one of the things, um, <clears throat> if there was a single reason I would say that I wanted to um to invite you on to have this conversation it's because you know we're we're living in times when climate change is going to make the movement of people around the world more dramatic and definitely um and definitely more more problematic and an any initiative which offers the possibility for helping um help helping groups of people that are thrown together in greater numbers with and with you know with a greater degree of shall we say violence you know like um <clears throat> anything that um, that holds up some kind of um uh way of thinking about that um about that fact differently and more positively deserves deserves a much um as as well the widest possible um the widest possible um attention i would i would i would certainly say um i mean on on that what what would you what would you say um about um an initiative like um like best how do you think about the um the the signal that it that it that it offers that it could send that's difficult ones um i mean obviously we're a small organization and you know immediately after the referendum and particularly the, the sort of long three-year drawn out period that that was and then the election recently it was it was kind of easy to kind of go oh god i'm just going to shut the curtains and be a bit depressed kind of thing but then you kind of think, well, no, you know, life for me at least, and is is okay, and I'm in a position of privilege. Um, but you can't you can't change things above you necessarily so easily. Although I wish you know I, I can't change Boris Johnson or whatever, um, or the political system, but you can have a sideways effect. Um, and I quite often play music to the kids at work. There are a lot of small community organisations all over the UK involved in kind of you know raising awareness helping people out and they're starting to become more connected i think um you know people are aware of the environment i mean leila um who i'm married to and she's originally from india she's just been to a conference in london about decolonizing uh climate change movements um climate change protests just obviously it's uh, is a lot of those places like India that are getting the direct effects maybe before we see them so much in Europe in terms of the weather systems and flooding and crop failures and things. Um, as in the bigger term, a longer term, I mean, well, ideally in an ideal world, I think the education system in Britain should include an actual recognition and study of what colonialism and our colonial past and how that has kind of impacted the world and still impacts the world now. 
it's an interesting um it, it's interesting that you mentioned i should just go back to clarify um so when you say about um sharing some of the recordings with the, the kids you um you're you teach at, um uh music um yeah sorry <laughs> i should have said that. I, I teach um in a music college at northbrook college in worthing um and i teach 16 to 18 year olds um it's music technology music production but there's an also kind of critical perspectives cultural studies element to it in the music business so as part of the lessons not particularly as part of any curriculum I, I, once a week we have a little shot listening to music from different contexts from what a lot of the kids are from so uh, last week we played uh, different Yiddish some different examples of Yiddish music um, and I had a, a paragraph written by a friend Paulina explaining about what Yiddish language is and some of the cultural heritage there. Uh, so that was nice and a lot of them had never heard that music before and some of them kind of had positive reactions to it. So just, it's nice to just, you know. It's it's good to share. I mean, it's good, it's great. I, I remember, um, I remember thinking when I was growing up in the um, Troubles, sorry, in, um, in, in Northern Ireland um, hadn't calmed down um, as they <clears throat> as they have now, and I remember thinking, God, if we just send all the kids to school together, it will take a generation. But that's pretty much going to sort out the um, a lot of the worst excesses of the, um, you know, of the of, of the of the host of the hostility as it, as people in, as individuals experience it. It doesn't it doesn't make a lot of the history go away, and it doesn't change a lot of the demographic of the f facts on the ground of the of the demographics. But it, certainly in terms of the of the you know the the kind of the sense of civic um engagement that you know that 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 tends that would tend to not exclude people based on where they came from or or, um, or of their of their political affiliations it just improves the way that that we conduct ourselves in uh, you know in 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 public spaces and and i feel like having um like you, like you say having having access to um being able to disseminate like some of the some of the vibes and the ethics of what you're doing as well as as well as the actual kind of the um, the, the music itself it, it can it can only be um, it can only be positive for um, for young people to have um, to have as much exposure to that novelty as um, as possible what well, my sense of um, of younger generations is that you're pushing at an open door um, by by talking to people about you know that evaluate people on how sound they are not on where they come from um is that is that your is that your sense yeah usually, you... i mean usually they're quite positive about it and they ask questions which, which is nice and you know a lot of the i mean webbing's kind of mostly white kids there mostly and a lot of them are you know kids that don't necessarily have heritage from anywhere else in the world so they don't they and they're only young you know they're like i say they're 16 so they haven't necessarily had that exposure to anything outside of their even though they've got spotify and you know they can listen to anything on youtube nowadays they mostly kind of listen to kind of rock or hip-hop um you know sort of western pop stuff and they haven't had their exposure to something outside of that and usually they're you know they're, they're interested in it usually which is I mean, it's a five-minute thing, <laughs> you know. It's... No, 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 sure. But it's um, it's a it, it's it's a good start. Have you yeah. um, have you seen any um any interest um amongst them in coming to you um in coming to your events or? Yeah, we've had a couple of students actually. Some of the older ones uh, have volunteered with us and helped out at events and things like that, and done the sound and uh, generally had a we have a live sound course at the college as well. And so yeah, generally actually they've come out and helped, which has been good. So yeah, yeah. 
good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Can I? Um, I notice um, um, you've collaborated with some um, some other um, uh, organisations. One, a couple in particular, caught my eye. I was hoping if you could tell me first of all about um, um, Music Action International. Yeah, so they're um, they're a bigger organisation, um, and they, they I don't know how long they've been established, but they do a lot of workshops in schools. I think they booked some musicians for a gig, and then they ended up wanting to. They did a series of workshops in London schools, in a few different schools in London, and they had Jamal and Allah uh, going to do the workshops, and that project culminated in a gig at the Southbank Centre with all the school kids, and Jamal and Allah and some other musicians, and a really nice thing about that was once the initial email had happened where they sent me an email saying, can we work with Jamal and Allah? I just passed it on to Allah and he picked up the ball and they dealt with it. So they they did what they wanted to do in the workshops. So it was their, it was their project really. I mean, I can't think of it. So Jamal and Allah, they're, um, they're, they're musicians from Syria? Yes, yeah, Syrian duo. Um, so Jamal had been actually Jamal had been a really successful musician in Syria. I mean, he'd been a professional musician, um, and he'd played with Gorillas and Damon Albarn. He showed me pictures of when we first met. He was showing me pictures on his phone of him doing gigs with him in the pub with Damon Albarn in Amsterdam and places like that. Um, and then Ala, although he's from a musical family, had never performed in public. Um, although some of his, I think his uncle and his auntie had been professional musicians but he'd only just played for fun around his house and when they when we first met them which was late 2015 early 2016 that was when we were doing our first fundraiser with the local Syrian community group so they started playing and they've become really difficult I mean they're possibly our most booked kind of band at the moment I always say I'm not their manager but they always say yeah you're our manager <laughs> but but the, the nice thing is they're, they're taking their own bookings now and they're dealing with their own bookings and they're getting their own gigs. So that's nice that, you know, they've now established themselves at that level and I don't have to be involved as much kind of thing, you know, because that's in an ideal world, you know, musicians would all get a fair crack at the whip and they wouldn't need. Well, I think, I, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I I think also something that you, you mentioned earlier, point to there's often uh, the people that have made their way over here um, have 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 left behind all, all all kinds of difficulties. Yes, but 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 prior to that, all kinds of all kinds of just normal lives, right? Just people just getting on with stuff. I remember I was um, I was fixing some um, I was doing some uh, some carpentry on the um, on the canal boat. I was moored in Southall. Um, um, and obviously, it's a great part of London to be moored up, moored up in. If you're, um, if if you if you like a curry, and frankly, who doesn't? But but there was um, there was a um, there was a lady um, walking along the um, walking along the towpath, and she was foraging. We got chatting. It turns out that she'd um, she had also come from yeah, her her husband had run mobile phone shops. She'd run a lingerie shop in um, in in Syria, um, and her they'd moved over because um, uh, they they were from um, from a town which had been struck by by um, by Russian missiles. And her son, had, uh, her, her eldest son, 
um, had been had been um, had been killed um, in that in that attack, and they'd um, they'd left, and they were now working, you know, like um, uh, in I think was it in call centres. I think they were um, or picking a pack. There was there was some kind of there was there was some kind of low level low level work, but she was. Um, you know, she she told me that story, and I and then I asked her what it was that she was um, she was looking for, and she pointed out that I'd been standing this whole time um, next to these um, next to these particular leaves, which she said you could um, they they used in um, in Syrian cuisine to wrap up um, wrap up mince and um, uh, lamb what have you and it cooked it cooked it really well i put i put the post up on um on the on the company instagram all that time and just like i was really i was really struck by the kind of the lovely normality of it all yeah and i think that's that's something that it's very easy to um to to paint um people who've been forced to move as um as victims yeah from one angle that that's certainly the case but there's i think i preferable to to focus on the um to focus on the on the normality of it or do pe- do you find that this comes into the discourse much is there much is there much um in your in your conversations in the interactions that you have is there a is there is there much talk of the of the past how is the how are the experiences of having to move to this country reflected upon um i mean some people don't want to talk about it um because obviously they've had quite difficult times and I guess like any, you know, group of people, people behave differently and some people do talk about it and some people don't. I mean, I know one guy who we do a lot of gigs who was tortured quite badly um, and he he's from Sudan and he uses all the money he gets from gigs. He funds the school in the village where he grew up and he's shown me photographs of the village and it's, I mean, it's poverty beyond anything you and I would recognise. And then some people don't want to talk about, I think that point of, just being normal you know i mean <clears throat> we we were involved in a monthly thing called mate cafe which mate is a herbal drink that is popular in argentina and syria it's a herbal tea i don't know particularly why those two places but they're the two places that everyone mentions it was a bunch of syrian people's idea to establish um so there's food cooked every month um there's music there's art tables where kids can do drawings and stuff um and everyone in it is no one think there's about 15 people in we've got a whatsapp group that we organize it in about 15 people in the whatsapp group they're all from different backgrounds they're all from different places they've all had different life stories and none of that kind of matters because in the mate cafe there is this and this happened very organically everyone is just a person and everyone gets involved in washing up. Everyone gets helps out a bit with cooking. All the food generally is Syrian, um, so it's usually the Syrian, different Syrian person every time who cooks. Everyone gets involved in the music stuff. So it is that kind of normalisation, and it's a space that was originally the idea of some Syrian people, um, and it's starting to attract. It's starting to attract quite a good crowd now of people, and more people come to it. Um, and you know, we get a lot of people who've come as refugees come to it. Um, and quite a lot of them are coming, they're becoming regular guests and we, we sell the food um, and we use the, the food is free, it's by donation so if you feel like you can afford it then you can pay for it but if you don't then you, you get it for free. But the money we make from it, we help pay the transport costs for the people who come here you know, as refugees who maybe don't have any money. Some of them do, some of them don't. Um, 
but yeah it's just becoming normal and then those people who are coming guests they start saying oh can we cook next week or can we do some music so they're starting to get an involvement as well and it it makes this space where everyone's an equal kind of thing and that's that's a kind of nice thing and it's like you saying about the example where you're talking with the lady picking the herbs it's just a normal day-to-day interaction rather than being viewed through this lens of like you're you're a refugee or or you're slightly exotic is the other thing we get i mean people view the musicians as exotic and it's like actually sometimes it's like actually you know what they're a bit boring (laughs) i mean because they're just the same as me and you you know they shout at the telly when it's rubbish they watch football they moan about what football team whatever you know I, I discovered something about myself recently. I only I, I only shout at the TV when there's somebody else in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, possibly slightly mad if you do when you're on your own. Yeah, possibly, possibly but it's, um, I realised it's a little bit performative, so I'll try to do it less now. Um, uh, so um, one of the things that's um, that's um, that's coming up for me around the um, around the around the project, and this might be a little bit tangential, but but your work it feels to me broadly similar to the way that i think about the work i do with um with nature in cities you know it's not just about making um music in in their case or green space but it's also it's all it, it's it's also about the possibilities for meaning and well-being that come from you know the process of tending to and caring for these um these phenomena i guess music and um and, and access to nature you could say also sport um and then maybe there are other things and it's worth dwelling upon but these things these phenomena which elevate our experience of being human yeah and it, it it's those shared experiences you know it sounds i guess it sounds a little bit of a cliche but it is those shared experiences and music and food travel particularly well um, I guess you could say the same with nature. I mean, you know, go, I mean, one of the things Refugee Radio does, which is a, another local community project, they have a resilience project, and a lot of the people they work with are people who've been through torture and things, and they go for a walk in the country. They have it once a week. When the weather's nice, they go for a country walk, and that process in itself allows people to, without being in a forced situation, where they can sit and chat casually about life and you know get to know people build new friendships and maybe offload some of the stresses that's caused them to move here in the first place and i think your know, music and food again is 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 another opportunity for people to do that and you know it is much more than just a gig it is it is a space and it is a sort of ongoing process yeah there's definitely um there's something about um participating in moving moving through nature if you like i often have walking meetings um with colleagues um i do like by the sea or up on the up on the downs it's um it's an it's an aid to thought and it's also it's also just good for you in in, in much the same way as you know listening to music can amplify or, ch- or change your mood um i'd be i'd be really interested to hear more about the um the the, the walking meeting separately and see if it's something to um something that yeah, i can ask them definitely yeah. yeah yeah for sure um um so um what are your um what are your ambitions for um for best foot music what's um what's coming up in um in 2020 and and beyond uh <laughs> um ooh. um well i mean to carry on really i suppose i mean 
Can I maybe put it a slightly different way? I was I was thinking about the question that I the questions that I sent over to you, and I was thinking that maybe it might be more. Um, I don't know. Uh, revealing maybe is, the, is is or isn't the word. If if I posed it to you, as like where what's where do you find the friction is in what you do, and how would you like things to be? You know, how could how could things be easier? Time management, because I mean, I do have I, I, I really don't. This is not a moan at all because I quite enjoy my job. Oh, but like any job, it can be a bit stressful. But I mean, I mean, I suppose in an ideal world, if I won the lottery, I'd retire from work. And I'd build a recording studio and I'd just open it up. I'd have a recording studio in a social space. I'd just say, right, whoever wants to come and do some music, you're welcome. <laughs> that would be an ideal world. But, yeah, just time, really. Um, and um, there's, I mean, in very practical terms, there are lots of, small organizations all over the UK but there are lots in the southeast that we're directly connected with and I know 99 out of 100 of them are people doing stuff in their volunteer time um, and that includes those people that have come as refugees because they're they're actively involved in a lot of the processes and the organizations if there was an overall kind of arch overall network where they could liaise with each other or people had time to plan i mean if if we didn't live in a environment that sometimes was so hostile towards people coming from abroad um you know people coming to live in here i mean look at the like the windrush thing or the you know some of the kind of the rise of kind of right wing stuff there's um there's low there's low level the kind of the cat calling that you mentioned earlier that you hear anecdotes about and then there's the kind of the institutional resistance it seems to make to in to making in any way like people's um people's yeah. lives easier right yeah yeah i mean i know some people who would like to bring some of their families here and they're really struggling for it and you know the the idea of being torn away from your brother or your sister or your son or your daughter for something beyond your and you know the uk government are really it's really difficult you know they make it difficult for people especially adults um, they do family reunification, but again, I mean, they've just they've just gone back on the Dubs Amendment, which was they were going to bring un unaccompanied children here from the camps in Calais, um, and <clears throat> that's kind of gone out the window under the new government. So things like that, um, arts funding is always, you know, a difficult thing to get. <laughs> um, if um if people um if if anyone listening wanted to um to like find a way to participate in or or offer support to is there um is 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 there a, a, what what would be the the way or ways that you would um, that you would think about that? Well, sorry to be crass. Um, the very obvious thing is there is a donation button on the website. Um, but you know even if people donate a pound, whatever, I'm I'm happy. <laughs> it means someone cares. Um, but the other the other ways is come along and get involved in gigs um, and go get involved in the community organisations in the area where you live. If there's a thing that you care about, um, you know you can post on Facebook all you want or whatever. But actually go and meet people and get, and I mean that in any community activism kind of thing. Not necessarily you know all these things are connected really. I mean the environment and music and diversity and counteracting kind of prejudice narratives they're all connected together 
whatever particular thing that you know that you're interested whatever angle you're interested in they're all they're all related to each other and to go and get involved i mean my mum's just been up in hull my mum's just found this organization that works with um you know people up there um homeless people and um people that have migrated here and got refugees and what have you and she's just taking a load of old clothes and um food mix <laughs> go and get involved with stuff really that's you know find out what's on your doorstep get involved fantastic yeah. thanks i, I realized that we um that the conversation um moved on from from those um from the the second um the second initiative that i was um that i wanted to ask you about i, I noticed that you um you, you've um you've the website that you've been supported by the british library 2017 or 18 i i just thought oh one day I might not be able to afford to keep the website online or one day I'll die kind of thing. <laughs> I felt like I put a lot of effort in. And also I think, you know, the people seem to enjoy listening to music. I want it to be somewhere else than just on our website. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I emailed them and they got back in touch and they said, oh, yeah, we'd love to have it in our archives. Um, and then a short while after that, uh, they said, oh, we've got a bit of budget. Um, which obviously is great. Uh, so yeah, if they've got a bit of financial support from them, um, which pays for travel costs to go and record in different places, um, and sometimes it's paid for spaces. Um, we've been able to record like Bulgarian choir up in London. We hired a church for the day. Uh, we went up to Perth in Scotland and recorded a load of musicians up there. Um, and they were really, that was really nice actually, it was really nice to go somewhere a long way away from, I mean, almost as far as you can go in the UK kind of thing, from Brighton, and see a different <coughs> town, and um, yeah, people were like, oh wow, we're, you know, we're really interested, we're really, people were really appreciative, and the musicians were really interested in the fact that it was going to be documented and go in a, a big organisation kind of thing, and you know, they seemed to appreciate the value in that, so... I know um I know Perth a little bit one of my good friends is um is from there St Johnston fan the um uh is there did you find what were the differences up there did you find that um that, that the geographical distance meant that there were different the government organized for different community different um to, you know to patriate different people different groups of people there was I mean we met some people from Syria we met some people from Iran um and Iraq I think and there was a guy uh, I can't remember who was from. There was quite a few people we met. Um, there was a family from Ghana, um, but they seemed to be really. I mean, a lot of them were living in Glasgow, but there's a festival was in in Perth. Um, Glasgow seemed to be re have a really vibrant music scene there. Without <laughs> being too generalising, people were very friendly. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I just wondered if maybe they'd been different. Um, you know, if they, if it was the case that the government sent a different group of people no, in, the south, in the southeast, or are people evenly spread around? No, I think think people are fairly evenly spread around. I mean, the Syrian musicians we work with in Brighton, when they first arrived in the UK, they were all sent to Halifax, um, and then. When we organised this gig with a local Syrian community group, it was one of the people from the community group said, oh, I know some musicians. And then they came down to Brighton and they're like, oh, we like it down here. And they, once their um, asylum status had been sorted out, they all moved down here. <laughs> so, 
F- fantastic. It's yeah. um, it's a it's it Brighton's a very sticky place as we can all um, tell yeah. Doesn't um it you, you, you it's easy to come but it's not so easy to um it's not no. so easy to to leave. Phil, um, thanks ever so much for joining. I've got um I've just got a few questions that I um I wrap up every podcast with if I can if I can run those um run those by you. Yeah. First of all, King for a day. If you could change one thing to make a positive difference, what would it be and why? Uh, expose the arms trade for what it is really for people to realise the connections between that and kind of extreme capitalism and you know, governments, I mean, you know, one of the first things Theresa May did when she came into power was sell a load of fighter jets. Stop the arms trade, really, yeah. I think that, that would probably make the... And it's a massive... The, I was reading recently, the American military is the world's biggest polluter. Well, you know, it's interesting, because I was going to say, I think, like I, like several other intersecting issues, um, climate change is, has, the you know, the all-encompassing um, or scope of the... Of the problem and the solutions mean that it's it's the one it, it's the one kind of issue central issue primary issue if you like that offers the possibility to say do you know what there inroads can be made um, or if inroads can't be made because of climate change then it's um, then, then then yeah it's um, it's pretty much game over. I feel like it it opens up the possibilities of um, of, um, of of movement on that, but obviously it remains to be it remains yeah. to be seen. But it is an education issue. Sorry, it is an education issue because these things are so you know they are intersectional um, and they are tied up with our history and they're tied up with the way our kind of corporate system works. And yeah, it's just an absolute waste of millions and millions of pounds. Obviously, and then the, the sort of just the human destruction and the destruction to yeah. the, the planet. It's just it's disgusting. <laughs> Sorry, I, no, no, I, 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 imp- imp- impossible to um, to dis- disagree with that with that yeah. sentiment. Um, uh, three good things. Um, one book or podcast, first of all, that you think everyone should um, should know about. Ephemeral on from iHeartRadio, which is an American. Uh, internet radio station and there's a particular edition called Diaspora with an interview with a guy called Ian Nagoski um, who runs a record label called Canary Records <clears throat> and it's just he I think at some point in his life he stumbled on all these old recordings from made in the 1920s in America um, a lot of who were from Armenian migrants um, it's just a fascinating slice of American history. And I think, again, if you think of American music, you often think of kind of the history of American music as kind of blues and jazz and rock and leading on to hip hop and funk and soul. And this is a whole slice of American culture that possibly has gone missing or what's become part of American culture. I, I it's a, yeah. And they also, the same radio station just does some of the most bizarre, <laughs> quirky little pods. So I, I recommend that. Yeah. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna dig that out and put a um, put a link link. I'll, I'll send you a link when we're done. It's, it's Please do, and I'll put it on show. the um, I'll put it on the show notes. So, um, <clears throat> one person or social media channel that you follow, or 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 you know, offline person in real life that you um, you'd like everyone. to... Oh God, that's a tough one. Uh, um, there's an organisation called Cohesion Plus in Kent, um, and they organise cultural events, diverse cultural events, and there's a guy called Govinda Sander who 
I learned so much off about organising events. So him, uh, just because of the amount of work they do that are really genuinely inclusive stuff. And also, aside from that, he's also in a band called 4x4 Bangra who do these great, they do straightforward Bangra stuff, but they also do these fusion things. They're constantly developing different ideas and just go and see one of their gigs, 4x4 Bangra. They're just, yeah, I'll leave it there because they're well, they're well worth a watch, basically. I'll dig that out, and I've got a um, I've got a, a dear friend who um, who's now set up an organisation um, called Rerun, who I'm hoping to um, to have on to the to the podcast. They collect <clears throat> they collect um, single use athletics gear and either repurpose repurpose it or um, or or resell it on uh. Uh, di- diverting it from landfill. But but Charlotte used to be a um, a Bollywood teacher in um, in well she did she did a bit in India but then she was um, she was teaching Bollywood in um, in schools around the southeast. So, uh, so hook I, us uh, up at some point if you get a chance actually because I certainly will mate. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll, I'll link I'll, I'll link you up offline. Yeah, thank you. So to wrap up, um, your favourite place to immerse yourself in nature and why? Not particularly far out, but the outer harbour wall on Brighton Marina. Um, particularly in the summer because you're right next to the sea it's just so beautiful the sea is different every hour and it's, it's just stunning and the other thing there though um there's lots of people go fishing there and it's weirdly for some reason it's one of the most diverse spaces in brighton there's so many different languages and people bring little radios or mp3 players or whatever and you can hear all this music from around the world and they also bring picnics so last summer for example we just happened to bump, bump into this Syrian family who were there fishing for the, I mean, people catch their food and eat it. So I'm guessing that's, you know, it's not like they're trolling the sea kind of thing. Um, there was a Syrian family there and we sat and had a cup of tea with them. And it's such a diverse place. And for those two reasons, because you can hear so much different kind of cultural backgrounds and because it's just right next to the sea and it's just a great place to look at the sea. And I'm going to totally have to give that a um, give that a go. And it, like, I haven't done it for... Um, for uh, oh, a couple of years now, I would say, but many's the night that we've gone down to um, down to the beach in Hove, and uh, and and um, a couple of pals would get their um, get their rods out and just catch some sardines that we could then cook on the um, cook on the barbecue there and then. But it sounds like there's um, it sounds like much more interesting going on down at the um, <laughs> much more interesting scene going on down on the uh, down on the harbour wall. Yeah, people camp out overnight as well, so I'm not sure if you meant to, but I mean, yeah, it's nice. It's just you know. You're eating some food, you listen to a bit of music and chilling out. So. Sounds great. Once yeah. the uh, once this this although it's been a mild winter, I'm still going to give it a, another few months or so until uh, until we get ourselves down there. Phil, thank you. Um, thanks ever so much for taking the the time to join us. I'm I'm really grateful for sharing, and um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Best Foot Music does next and coming along to an event or two. Yeah, thank you very very much. Yeah, you, you, I mean you're always welcome at any events and the Mate Cafe as well, which is sorry I'm going to slightly plug. It's a first Saturday of every month. Um, at the Cowley Club on London Roads, so anyway, anyone's welcome to pop in. Does Bestfoot have um, any social media like Twitter or Facebook? Or uh, we have a Facebook page, um, which I think is just Bestfoot Music. We have an Instagram account, um, and obviously the website as well, which is bestfootmusic.net. Great stuff. I'll put all that in the show notes. Phil, thanks ever so much. It's been thank a, you very much. Honor. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, mate. It's a pleasure. Yeah, sorry if I was a bit waffly. <laughs> <laughs>